Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I'm your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, everybody? How's it going? Today we have a special guest. Yeah, this is a cool one. This is like a celebrity guest. We have somebody who builds decks way cooler than we can build yeah, on the podcast. Uh, welcome, Jerry Thompson. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, sometimes I build good decks. I don't know, man. You play with Training Grounds. That's a cool card. <laughs> yeah, but that's not good. Yeah, know? I don't know. It top eight the GP. Right? That is true. That is true. Yeah, I mean, how, what can we? What negative things can we really say about a card that top eighted a Grand Prix? Has has uh, Grand Architect ever top eighted a, a Grand Prix? I don't think so. Oh, uh, it has actually. Has it really? Not oh, in modern, but that's right. It was, it was Brad Nelson was playing it in uh, in standard, right? It was like that post Cobblade format. Yep, uh, you could play Delver in that tournament. We actually were talking about that on our way back from GP Detroit. I don't know why, but... Yeah, I remember that, because I remember he wrote the article that week, and he was like, you just play a bunch of Wormcoil Engines and Looters and Snapcaster Mages and Free Spells, and then this card, Grand Architect, and just and just beast out things with Treasure Mage. That was, that was fun. That was a good format. Um, anyway, cool. Well, that's, we've already covered Grand Architect in the first three minutes of the podcast. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite card, like, pretty much ever. And in fact, running speaking, joke. Yeah, speaking of which, uh, I kind of want to ask you some, just, like, some, some rapid-fire questions. I mean, people have their own questions, but let's, let's, let's go through kind of a little rapid-fire to get warmed up, and we'll kind of talk All about right. your story as a Magic player. Does that work? Let's do it. Okay, cool. Um, first and foremost, I'm just going to start with a big one. Favorite Magic card of all time? Do you have one? Nether Spirit. Nether Spirit, okay, I like it. Um, which set do you like better, or which block do you like better, Time Spiral Block or the Modern Masters whole entire concept? Well, it's not really a block, right? Is, is that a fair question? Time Spiral because it references I mean, so many... No, no, Ma Masters so, of Modern... Yeah. I, like, I like Modern Masters better. I like what it does for Magic. I didn't necessarily like what Time Spiral did for Magic, where it was like a set that less enfranchised players couldn't really get into because there wasn't there there was like too much stuff going on you know right right it was super so. super complicated that's fair that's a fair answer yeah S star wars Modern masters all right fair fair star wars star trek star wars yeah it's easy yeah. I mean, has anyone ever said star trek i don't think so no not once yeah not once okay uh favorite breakfast cereal lucky charms right. i haven't eaten cereal in years though it seems to be another running theme with that same question <laughs> um it's either that or cinnamon toast crunch right like, yeah. those are the popular ones? Yeah, I think Honey Nut Cheerio, someone said once. Uh, Weird. Didn't somebody say spam once? Someone just... said fruit. Yeah, somebody said fruit. That's right. That's right. Um, all right, all right. Who would win in a fight? Uh, Riggs from Lethal Weapon or McLean from Die Hard? McLean. Straight up? Like, not even a hesitation on your part for a second? No, it's just not close. Okay, I like that. Yeah. I mean, there's a movie where he takes a car, launches it at a helicopter, and takes it out midair. Do you think that John Wick would beat them both? Uh, he would probably do it and he he may or may not get injured you know but i i feel like mclean can can take all the beating in the world and john wick certainly can too but he's just a ninja yeah he's super cool do you have a favorite movie of all time that brings me to a question uh lucky number 11 i like a lot that's a good movie i like that i, I think i have like 10 movies that are tied for first though what's like a two and a three like no particular order kiss kiss bang bang Okay, so you're like you're super into like the Shane Black style. That actually surprises me then that you would say Die Hard instead of Lethal Weapon because Shane Black is so responsible for so much of that style. Are you super excited? Yeah. 
So, I mean, I like the Lethal Weapon series better, but it's like, you know, when, when you're asking me who's going to win between, like, Batman and Superman or whatever, it's like, all right, Superman's going to win. Like, yeah. that type of thing. Totally get that. All right, well, we've, we've digressed from magic enough, so let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's reel it back in. Thank you for all of the, the great questions, uh, or the great answers to the movie questions. I'm a big action movie guy. That's why I always, I always end up on that subject. Oh, yeah, I, I watch Statham movies in the background, like, on the regular, so. Oh, nice, yeah. You should check out my podcast, which is I'm going to plug in just one second, which is called Action Movie Anatomy. We, like, do hour-long breakdowns on the Popcorn Talk Network. Um, okay, that sounds tight. Yeah, it's, it's good, but uh, we also should mention that we have a sister podcast. Yeah, The Command Zone. Yeah. They do uh, awesome Commander content slash EDH content, depending on how long you've been playing Magic. Uh, they're sweet, Jimmy and Josh, Lee yeah. Kwai. They do a great thing, yeah. and you can find them at the, com- at the Command Cast. Or at at the, the command cast, but they are the command zone, zone. on rocketjump.com. Seems like we should have this clear after 70 episodes, but we just managed to always... I uh, called them the command cast for like the first 10 episodes because of I was used to Twitter only. Well, when we talk about modern <laughs> masters, we call it masters of modern and vice versa. And we've yeah. been doing that yeah. for 70 episodes too, so... That's an Alex Kessler problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, have you played the Noggles deck recently? <laughs> yeah, or Sage Rhino. All right. So uh, anyway, uh, also we are on Twitter. You can find us at... The MMCast. Yep, and that is the best place to find uh, Kessler. You can find at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. Jerry, where, where can the folks find you if they want to follow along? At G3RRYT. All right, sweet. Kind of looks like you spelled Jerry, but with threes, right? Yeah, that, that was taken. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's clever. It's like the band Corn, where the backwards are, sort of. No. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> It, it is, it is better for like search, engine, search engine optimization. So. Yeah, I just associated it with corn. I feel like I've offended you. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I, listened to, I listened to corn when I was a small child. That's fine. So did I. So that I'm music glad. video is really sweet with the bullet going through uh-huh. everything. Freak That's on a leash. my like, one corn piece of information. Sounds like that we're I all have. secretly fans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, you just top eight at a Grand Prix. It just happened in modern. Dude. Right? It was sick. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. They let me play with a bunch of busted cards. Yeah, like what's the what's the general climate just like walking around that Grand Prix with just how absurdly powerful the Eldrazi decks are? So I don't know. This tournament was interesting. It was less like bad beat stories. And I, I felt like there was more excitement to fill the conversation rather than just like, Oh, well I played a land and then he played a land and a thing. And then I played a thing like these boring stories, you know, people were just telling like these sick stories where it was like, all right, I played turn one Eldrazi obligator. Cause I was on the draw and had a gemstone cavern and an eye of Ugin. And I played like a two, two endless one. And then a reality smash. And then they were just dead on turn three. And then it was like, Oh yeah, well my opponent like did this thing. And it's just like, that type of stuff was happening and people just like couldn't complain about it. You know, at least the, the people that I was talking to, like, I'm sure that there, there are some people that were like four and four in the tournament that just kept losing to Eldrazi and they're just like, why am I even here? But well, it was a bizarre experience looking up, you know, watching the coverage. Uh, we were at a store playing in a kind of like a local tournament on Sunday. Uh, and every time I would look up at the big screen that was streaming, it was just bizarre to 100% of the time see the word Eldrazi on the screen. It was always on camera. One of the two decks featured was always an Eldrazi deck. Uh, That's not surprising. Yeah, it's really strange. And like, I mean, you. so how long have you played competitive Magic? Like, when was your first, like, run, like, really going to big tournaments, even traveling to a GP? Well, my first, like, sanctioned tournament was the Invasion pre-release, and then I was kind of hooked ever since then. Right. The, the first Grand Prix I played in was Invasion Block at GP Minneapolis uh, once Apocalypse was out. 
So like it, it didn't take me that long to actually start playing in Grand Prix. The uh, pre-release card that you got for the invasion pre-release room is it's isn't it the like the Kavu like the it's like a haste it, it, Kavu with flash or something? Yeah, it's raging Kavu. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But does it? Am I mistaken, or does he have haste and flash, or just just it, haste? It does. Yeah, what a, what a weird combination of abilities, like such poor design. <laughs> no, it's it's kind of like a split card, you know, like. You can use it to bait out a counter spell, or you can use it to get them. You know. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. The Kavu. I wonder if we'll ever see the Kavu again in Magic. Probably not. Maybe. Return to invasion. I don't know. Might yeah. happen. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, so, was, yeah. so if that was the beginning, and that means that you've basically played through, aside from from Necro Winter, way, way, way back, you've played through Affinity, you've played through Cobblade, uh, you've seen a lot of the most degenerate formats and the things that had to be banned. Um, where does this rank for you right now compared to those other formats? Well, first I'll say that back when I was playing like Affinity or whatever, it it wasn't like, oh, this is a thing that's definitely going to be banned. You know, like obviously this thing is so oppressive, blah, 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 because there wasn't really a precedent for it. You know, like it, it had been so long since something was actually banned in standard, I think. So right, people, right. people were just like, oh, it'll just like run its course. And like, this is just kind of like what life is. But this was just like, okay, this is obviously messed up and probably won't be around for forever, so I need to take advantage of that. And I just wanted to play in like all the big modern tournaments I could to play this Eldrazi deck before it would be gone. Yeah, it's really crazy when you think about... So I told, I've told the story in the podcast before, but um, Andrew Brown is a good friend of ours. And I had lunch with him the week before um, the Pro Tour. And yeah, I, I listened to the podcast that he was on, actually. Okay, cool, cool, yeah. And so he was telling me at lunch, he was like, you know, don't laugh, we're going to play these cards. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, you're going to play Vile Aggregate and Sky Spawner? Like, come on. And he was like, no, I'm dead serious. We're playing Drowner of Hope. It's, that's, that's the deck. And, uh, and I couldn't believe it. But the fact that those cards are viable is just a testament to how good Temple and I actually are. Like, right. it's so disgustingly busted that you get to play in modern a bunch of limited commons and uncommons at the Pro Tour. That's nuts. Yeah, so so Drowner of Hope isn't necessarily worth six mana, right? Especially right. compared to the other things you could be doing in Modern. But when you can play it on turn three relatively consistently, then it starts looking a lot better. Yeah, right? I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, I think we've we've all covered, like, the ins and outs of the decks and, and what makes Eldrazi so, so, so busted. So you're are you on the same page, then, that the Shadows Over Innistrad... Um, the the ban and restricted announcement were losing at least one if not two cards from modern uh i think aaron basically said as much during the interview at the grand prix i i was playing and not watching the coverage so i don't know if you guys saw that or not but that was kind of what it sounded like on twitter yeah, i mean he did say he, he said that you know they were looking at things and talking to people about the climate of the format climate of the format uh and that you know they don't test for modern which we and others i think believe is a mistake what's your stance on that do you think that they should be testing for modern at wizards well, I, I mean, I have insider information, right? Like, I worked for them for six months. I was interning for them. Right. And there, there wasn't enough bandwidth, you know? Like, there's, there's like, 10 people in R&D and 10-ish. I think maybe it's, like, 12 now. I don't know. But they, they also have people coming in from all different sorts of departments doing various play tests, like, maybe it's sealed or draft or FFL, whatever. And it still didn't seem like we had a lot of time to focus on another format because there's so much going on just with standard and limited. Yeah, it, it's it's hilarious, though, to me that, like, <laughs> the size of the company and the profitability of the company, that that's the way the ship runs. And I've, I've been in there before. A friend of mine was, was head of marketing over there, and so I've gone on a couple tours and, and seen the actual layout, and you're absolutely right. I mean, 
it's not full, you know, there's not hundreds and hundreds of people just like sitting there, you know, monkeys on typewriters essentially working on magic stuff. Like people would just, yeah, just imagine. like jamming games against each other. And like, no, like that doesn't happen. It's, it's this very small concentrated group of people. Yeah. And I, maybe magic will get to, to the point at some, you know, sometime where maybe R and D or like there's an FFL team or something that's like 30 people. And you know, there, there's like maybe a legacy team and a modern team or whatever, but like now is, now is not the time for that. I, I think they do a really good job on standard and limited, especially the, the last few uh, blocks. And I would not want to see that change because they start focusing on modern. And I don't know, like how many hours do you think it would take? Because like it takes a lot of time to just focus on standard. And yeah. modern is a much wider format with a lot of different decks and even if they do devote like hundreds of hours a week, they're still going to miss stuff. So like ultimately, is it worth it? Yeah, no, I, mean, I get that. I just mean like if you think about the, the exact situation we're in, it's sort of like, okay, we're printing these colorless Eldrazi. So the first thing we should do is think about what cards exist. Like what are the old cards that would make these cards really good? Hmm, there's two lands that affect Eldrazi. What's it like to be able to play these cards with these lands? That seems pretty straightforward to me if you're designing. Like there's two lands that affect Eldrazi. Well, you have a lot of other stuff on your mind, you yeah. know. It's not it's not just like you see Thought Knots here and you're just like, Oh, this is busted with Ayabugan, you know, that's not what happens. You don't make Splinter Twin, you're just like, Oh, this is great with Pestermite. So because Yeah, go ahead. No, it's just like you, you like sometimes that happens. Like so one there was one time I built a modern deck in R and D, and that was when there was like a delve creature that that basically like necrotic oozed the creatures that it delved away, like it gained all of their activated abilities. Right. And I was like, hold on, this is probably messed up in modern with Gristlebrand. So I built a deck and it's like gold fishing on turn three or whatever. And I'm like, all right, this is kind of messed up, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so, so I showed it to Dave Humphreys. It was his set. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll try and change that card. And that card became Soul Flayer. Right. Yeah, I was just going to say, it sounds, it sounds familiar. Um, okay, so, so, so sometimes that happens. Sometimes you think of an interaction and you're like, ah, we should not do this. And then it gets changed. But yeah. Well, and, the, and the other side is that, I don't think I'd rather Wizards print cards like Thought Nutseer and print cards like Reality Smasher. Like, it's not like they could have banned Ugin before the Pro Tour, right? So, like, it's just a pickle that I'd rather them print cool cards like Delve and the Eldrazi Colorless spells than worry about old cards that they just might have to ban one day. I'm definitely in a position right now with the format where I actually a lot of people are like, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. See, for me, I'm just sort of like. At the Pro Tour, I was fascinated, right? I really enjoyed watching that Pro Tour. I thought that the matchups were awesome. It was so cool to see so many new decks come out. Eldrazi was dominant, but it was amazing that the best players in the world and all these teams had built these different Eldrazi decks. Um, for me, it's the, the ends justify the means. We're going to get the, the bannings. The decks will be weakened or go away, and things will sort of return to a status quo where you know new decks are interesting and viable again. Like I don't think there's a problem there. I guess the big issue people have is that if they want to invest in the best deck, they're going to lose their money. And that's the problem that people have with Modern is it really comes from that financial barrier, right? When, when your cards get banned, you lose a ton of money, and it's hard to get back into it. I mean, do you see yeah. that? Go ahead. Uh, no, I, I did that. I mean, I have four temples and four eyes, and after... like. It, before the top eight, I went to one of my friends who was working at the dealer booth, and I was like, hey, how much are you buying Ivugan for? Because I might want to sell mine. He's like, five bucks. I was like, all right, yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. I mean, it's, the, the bottom has definitely fallen out. I've said before on here that I think that the lands are the engine that's a problem, but the Eldrazi decks themselves would not be as much of an issue if Real, if uh, Thought Not Seer hadn't been printed, that Thought Not Seer is like the sort of hinge of what makes this such an unfair thing to be doing. Do you think that that's not true? 
Well, if you don't have thought knots here, if you don't have things that kind of disrupt your opponent for free, right. you're basically playing a bunch of like wild McCoddles and stuff. You know, like Displacer is wild McCoddle in the first three turns. And that's generally not good enough. A lot of a lot of modern decks that look like that generally have to play a lot of disruption in addition to those creatures to give them enough time to beat these fast combo decks. So yeah. I mean, I feel like Thought Knots here is kind of the thing where it just gives you a bunch of free wins. It makes it so the Eldrazi decks didn't have to be base black with all their thought seizes and stuff. And then they just get to play a bunch of really potent threats. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. So jumping back then to your sort of history as a competitive player, when Cobblade was happening, when you were in that format, um, d like because the precedent sort of hadn't been set, right? Like it, it hadn't happened in quite a while. Um, does it feel like a different place than we're in now? I mean, is like there's sort of is a sense of calm amongst players like myself with this happening. Whereas I think with Cobblade, it was like they didn't know what to do. You know, tournament numbers were down and all that. Yeah, and, and now it like they're they're being more transparent with how they do things. Yeah, and I think Aaron doing that interview on coverage is great. Yeah, because now that people know what to expect, and it's like. Eldrazi is probably not going to be around, in, at least in the same form, in a month or so, right? Right. And now people can, like, prepare for that. Yeah. Uh, and back when Cobblade was a thing, I was just like, well, this deck has survived for so long. I've played it in so many tournaments and, and done so well, and they haven't touched it. So, like, maybe it's going to get banned. Maybe it won't. Who knows? But I'm just going to kind of enjoy it for what it is. Plus, there's a little bit less precedent, like... The amount of times a card has been banned out of standard is much lower than the amount of times a card has needed to be banned out of modern. Yeah. Well, the Correct. power level is just not as degenerate. Um, so modern's been around now, I want to say, is it 2010 or 2011 was when it first came out? Was it 2010? I think it was 2010. 12? No, it couldn't have been that late. Yeah, it's 2012. 100%? Yeah. I think that's... I think you're, There's I think only been four modern port doors. All right. Well, in any case, it's been a few years. Um, when you were playing the, the previous format, so extended, and then you had new extended, and then there was Gavin's format, overextended, people were playing a little bit off the cuff. Um, where do you think modern sort of ranks in that, in that new eternal pantheon? Like, uh, how do you like the format, essentially? Well, I think it's very telling that extended failed miserably, like every single iteration of it failed miserably, and modern is just very... I mean, it's high up there. It, it is obviously like the second most played format and it's not particularly close and people just love it. Yeah. So modern is, is so successful and so far eclipses extended in its success that I just don't think it's close. So like a lot of the pros though, have the attitude on modern Apollo is the, is the most vocal. He's like the one, or at least even if he's not the most vocal, he's the one that the, apparently the fans think is the most vocal on hating modern and thinking that it takes the edge away from pros because the format is so wide. It's too hard to prepare for everything. Um, where do you stand on that issue? Just like the viability of modern as a spike format. Yeah. But guess what? Modern is not made for Paulo and Paulo should realize that. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, you know, like, modern is for the people... This was the big theory of modern, right? It's just, like, cards rotate out of standard, they, they lose their value, and then people don't get to play with, like, their old cards ever again. So they made this format where people could do that, and they won't have to worry about, like, their cards rotating or whatever. And that that is not a format for Polo necessarily, you know? Right. Uh, I, I do think that modern should be played at a higher level, but there, there are... You know, people that play modern every week or multiple times a week in their store and like that's their format. That's what they love. Meanwhile, Paulo is just like, uh, I don't even know if Paulo has a collection. You know, I, I don't know for certain. I, I'm sure he owns some cards or whatever, but he, he has never really affected that much by standard rotating, for example. 
Whereas I think the the average Magic player certainly is. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. Like when you when you start to get in that discussion of like what is com- where does it, where does competitive Magic at the highest level exist? Who does it exist for? You know what I mean? Is it there to serve the pros or to serve the fans watching it on coverage? Because obviously there are more fans watching on coverage now than there ever have been. And it's not like we are getting that many more people added to Pro Tours. They're not ex- expanding the size of the Pro Tours uh, at the same rate, right? So it's like if you, if, you, if it's working and people love to watch Modern on camera, then there can't really be that much of a problem, right? Uh, yes and no. I mean, people can love to watch Magic because it's Magic and Modern is this thing that only happens a couple times a year at the Pro Tour or Worlds level. So I, I feel like that's that might be one of the times where they just carve out time in their busy schedule and just be like, all right, this weekend I'm watching the Pro Tour because it's modern, whereas they might not do that for standard. So this this last weekend, do you have a single moment that stands out for you as like this was the sweetest moment of this entire tournament for me? Mm, not really. I got beat pretty bad round three, and then I just won eleven rounds in a row and got to draw in the top eight. Like <laughs> awesome. that, that was that was about it. It's a good feeling winning eleven yeah. in a row. Um, what? Yeah. You, at, at, while it was happening, I was just like, "There's no way. Like, there's no way I can come back from like a round three loss because I kn- I knew it meant I had to go eleven zero, right? And it just seems so insane to do that." Yes, absolutely, especially with the, the power level and the inconsistency of just, like, your opening hand in Magic. It's so difficult at that level when, when the cards are as powerful as Temple and I to... Uh, yeah, I mean, my average hand size was, like, 5.5 in the tournament. Oh, yeah? Like, when we talked to Andrew, he was talking about with, with uh, at the Pro Tour, the non-eye hand is an auto-mull, uh, or at least the non-Eldrazi the non uh, Eldrazi land hand yeah. is the auto-mull, and you agree completely? I agree completely. It's just like nothing, not like you just can't really get around it. Well, it, you, you shouldn't want to get around it because then you're playing with a bunch of like Eldrazi displacers for three mana, you know, like you're playing train Armadon in modern, which is not powerful. So it, it is the eye and the temple that are the problem. The rest of the cards are basically fair. It's just when everything is making two mana, then you start getting ahead very quickly. Um, do you think that after they ban after they ban one or both of the lands, we're going to see more displacers? It's a it's an aggressively costed card with a unique ability in a format that likes to take advantage of kitschy things like that. Um, what do you think is the likelihood that card just continues to show up? Well, I think something like Restoration Angel is probably going to see more play just because you get the body and the ability up front. Like I think you would much rather get a one shot of that ability than having to pay for it every single time you want to use it. Right. And unless maybe there's a combo for displacer that people haven't thought about, or maybe it is just like a training grounds deck or whatever. But I mean, the, the card is, is certainly playable as just a kind of value engine. And I think restoration angel kind of does that job a lot better. So I, I doubt it, but I don't know. I've been I've certainly been wrong before. There's been plenty of times where a card has shown up in modern. I'm just like, really? I mean, yeah, I guess that kind of makes sense. And uh, P and Kieran Nalar is like the one card that kind of fits that category that I was championing. So that yeah, with this placer seems totally insane. And wait, I'm sorry. And training grounds with training grounds. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That seems that seems so so fun. I don't know. Nothing. Nothing surprises me anymore, you know? Yeah, absolutely. When when the format changes, when you get a banning or a rotation, do you have, like, one or two pet cards on on the training grounds level? Not, like, just really good cards, but, like, 
cards that are kind of like wonky that you always return to and are like, all right, is it? Can I make this work now? Is it possible? Can I? Can they do this? I was gonna say like Thoughtseize Tarmogoyf, and then you kept talking about how like you wanted funny cards. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, so he's he's. <laughs> He, he wants Ben Bateman cards to be chosen. I not, want not interesting cards. cards to be chosen. Oh, I wish I'm on my desktop and not my laptop. And my laptop has just uh, like a folder with basically all the modern archetypes. And I have just like ideas sketched out for all of them. So sure. I, I wish I was I could go through that right now, but I can't because coming like thinking off the top of my head is kind of tough. Yeah, but, I totally get that. I totally get that. Um, with with the banning that's coming, do you think do you think that there should be an unbanning at the same time, or do you just want to see what happens without the Eldrazi, like the post twin world that should have existed, sort of? Yeah, I think they should, they should try that out first. Uh, the the ban list is is getting to the point where I'm kind of sold on everything that's on there, unless they want to change the dynamic of the format completely. How did you feel about the twin ban? I mean, we've talked about it on here before that, like, without going harping on it for a long time, you know, a do nothing four mana sorcery that you can get two for one Dawn versus, like, cards like Siege Rhino. It's sort of like the unfair, clunky way versus just, like, the power way to win by turn four or leverage your position by turn four. And banning one of those halves out of the format feels sort of disingenuous to how they want the format to exist. Um, where's your stance on the twin banning? Well, it's complicated. First of all, I would say that their logic and rationale for why they banned it made sense. Like where they thought the format was going to go was probably going to be a better place than modern with twin in it. Right. But as, as far as the card specifically, it's, it's not like splitter twin itself. The card was the problem. It was just like the deck that was built around it. Splitter twin itself rarely killed people on turn four, unless they're playing against an uninteractive combo deck, which is like why they put the combo in their deck to begin with. It was like the threat of the, the combo made people like build their decks in certain ways and play certain ways. And it, I don't know. I mean, I wrote an article uh, about this a while ago. It's probably free now, but it, it was called false tempo. And it's just like, you get such an advantage over them being scared about you playing your combo. It just like triple stone rains them every turn because they want to keep mana open to try and interact with your combo. Meanwhile, you're just trying to keep up the illusion that you might go for the combo but maybe you don't even have it, or maybe you know that it's just not a good plan, and you're just focusing on, like, all right, how can I, like, nickel and dime them to get them into, like, bolt snap bolt range? You know, like, that type of thing. Yeah, and Go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, you know, I was just, I mean, that, that, that makes total sense, and, and I think, um, I think you, yeah, by the way, we will link to that article. We will find it, as long as it is free. Um, but you wrote it a while back, you said? Yeah, it, it was a long time ago. It was like one of the first things I wrote when I came back, I think. We should be able to find that. We should we should put a link to it. Let's make a note, false tempo. Okay, out. let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, in any case, yeah, I think I think that that's absolutely true. Um, I am very curious to see what happens to the format after the banning. Like, it's there, there are so many fun cards in Modern, and I think the most fascinating part of Modern, uh, something we've talked about in here before, is that things like when Amulet Bloom became popular, you know, those were all cards that existed and had existed and were legal forever before people started just jamming them and, and winning with them. Uh, and the same can be said for a lot of things that have happened. You know, the, the Gristlebrand Shoal deck, it's like people weren't playing the Shoal version of the deck for a long time. So I'm wondering, you know, what's going to pop up? You know, what can what what just exists right now that people haven't experimented with? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it is crazy. Like, the, the card pool is so wide, and Titan uses so many weird cards. Same, same thing with Lantern, too. Yeah, yeah, Lantern is the same kind of idea. Um, that's why I'm, I, I always look for every single time I see a card that has a unique ability in modern, like just that's, we joke about survivor of the unseen. Cause it's one of the sort of like hammy cards on this podcast. But when you think about the fact that like 
that ability, right? Being able to put cards from your hand on top of your library is not something modern really has access to. Right. It's like you always look for that. Like what cards exist that do X, Y, or Z thing that just doesn't really have a place yet? And then can that be taken advantage of? Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, that's definitely a, a smart thing to keep in mind where you're just like, all right, what does this weirdo card need to be like a combo piece? Or like what would make it so I could make a deck out of this? Yeah, we were cracking up about like uh, the, the new, you know, encased in ice or whatever that thing is called. The thing in the ice, right? That's, that was the preview card that we all saw. Yeah. The zero yeah. four that flips. And like I, I've built like weird hunted horror with like blood artist and uh, engineer explosives decks. Like, you know, a ley line of singularity back before the legend rule change. We were like cracking up about like spell sky hunted horror in the new card because they'll, they're all horrors with like cloud form and like, <laughs> <laughs> and like cloud forming a hunted horror to avoid the end of, end of the battlefield trigger. Yeah, know. and that's that's the type of stuff that breaks modern. Like you're doing stuff that is just undercosted. Yeah, we've been talking for a year about like the the uh, Mirror Superior with Burning Tree Emissary, Ether Vile, Collected Company deck. Like yep. it's it's just been like the thing that we've been messing with forever. Um, in any case, so so talking a little bit more about this tournament and uh, have you have you had have you top you've top edited a Grand Prix before this or this is your first one? This is my tenth. This is your tenth. Okay, <laughs> we are way off then. Uh, what, uh, this is my my first one since. 2012 if oh. that makes you feel better like it's been a while gotcha okay um quickly you've you've played a lot on the scg circuit right i mean like a huge amount yeah so with that with that growing and especially the coverage on the scg circuit growing i think at kind of a disproportionate level to magic to the wizards coverage like i think the general opinion is that the scg coverage is pretty strong um where where do you see like those two uh, tournament paths going in the future like do you think they're going to become more and more parallel like the scg series the the payouts and all that they're going to start to actually be at the higher level where it feels like you're playing pro tour a pro tour b or do you think they will always be a bit disproportionate uh i really have no idea because i mean i kind of know how things work at star city i don't really have a good idea of how things work at wizards i don't know what would need to happen for them to just be like and let's let's make this a million dollar pro tour, you know, instead of like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar pro tour. Like, what what would cause them to make that decision? Because I know that things like that exist. Like maybe they start looking into sponsorships or something, and then like they can subsidize that with that money. And I don't know, anything can happen basically. Yeah, I get that. Um, do you, are you competitive in any other game than Magic, or is Magic like your that's your your A plan for for competitive gaming? Uh, it's definitely my A plan. I generally don't like to do things that I'm bad at. Sure. <laughs> so fair. like, yeah, starting over is kind of tough for me. I don't really like it all that much. Like I have tried a few things. Like I play like a lot of JRPGs and stuff. And sometimes like a new game will come out. People will say it's really good, but I look at it and it's just like the engine that the game is built on is different than anything else I've played. And I'm, I'm just like hesitant to actually pick it up because I'm just like, ah, oh, this is new and scary. I don't understand it. <laughs> Do you think that like with it, the massive, massive explosion of esports in the last couple of years, and now you see these major like TV outlets and a lot of people looking to cover it, um, do you feel like as that continues to happen, magic as a game is going to continue to sort of fall behind? Or do you see that it's just like a different animal because it's paper? Well, it's possible that at some point someone takes an interest in magic, right? And then it starts getting a lot more exposure, but I'm not sure what would that, what that would take. Like, the, the biggest issue, I think, is that watching Magic is kind of boring. Right. So, you know, there's there's not a lot of action. There's not a ton going on. A lot of it is just like, okay, well, like, nah, he's laying a trap for this guy that's going to spring, like, four turns later or whatever. And people just don't have the patience for that. They just want, like, explosions and, like, people shout casting and 
all that nonsense and that that doesn't really apply to magic so i don't know yeah we, we often compare it to golf and and i think yep. the if you're going to present this in a televised kind of way in similar to any sport golf is the best one because it's a sport that if you play golf watching golf is interesting if yeah. you have invested in that sport you kind of know what's going on and you can appreciate, oh, look how difficult that thing was that he just accomplished, where yep. magic is very similar to that versus something like League, where it's like, oh, it's like watching basketball. There's five teams going on against each other at all times. This is really interesting. I'm great and this is fun to watch versus magic, which is much more, right. I'm appreciating the quality of play versus I'm appreciating the awesome thing that I'm watching. Yeah, that is yeah. interesting. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say that if you're not super invested in magic, like maybe you play casually or maybe you played a while ago and you turn on some sort of magic coverage, you're not really going to know what the hell's going on. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, uh, I think I, that I do think that is the factor that modern uh, coverage does have going for it is because it does have a little bit more of a card recognition for everyone. It's because if I played five years ago and I stopped playing, I can turn on a modern pro tour and be like, oh, that's uh, blood break, not blood break off, but uh, right. Wild to coddle. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, once once the Eldrazi bannings happen and, and we get into the next format, do you have any ideas now what you think the dominant decks are going to be? Like any, anything that you're prepared for as, as we move towards the summer? Well, I think what you have to do is look at the Pro Tour and see what the best performing decks were that weren't Eldrazi. Right. And the most popular decks were Affinity, Infect, and Burn. Right. So, uh, I mean, I, those are three decks that didn't really have great twin matchups and were kind of kind of like kept in check by twin. Right. And the theory is that, well, now that twin is gone, those decks are going to kind of run rampant. So I would expect those decks to be pretty popular. I'm not sure how well they're going to perform because, you know, they all have a target on their head, but I, I would just go back to playing something like Grixis control, at least until I figure something else out or someone else does. And then I just, you know, copy them. Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if more control, like control style decks are going to start to take over a bit more. Well, I think like this. junk gets better because lingering souls is just really good against those three yeah, decks and just like good removal spells. I de like there, there's a lot of decks that are good against those aggro strategies and you gain a lot of value by playing those. Yeah. I wonder if the fair mid range decks become dominant. It's funny how fair mid-range almost plays like control in modern. It's sort of modern's control in some ways. Uh, I think that's just how it plays kind of out in standard, too, where you can't really get full control of a game, but you can kind of keep them off balance enough to play like a Siege Rhino and beat their face in. Yeah, right. Uh, do, you, do you gravitate towards standard primarily, or what? do you have a favorite format? I play whatever everyone else is playing. Like, whatever tournament is coming up that is probably the format I'm playing... Uh, if I could play any format, like, and nothing else for the rest of my life, it would be extended circa 2002. Really? <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. That was my next question. So, like, yeah, Reanimator, Oath of Druids, Trix, uh, Miracle Grow, all those decks. Yeah, that's awesome. Oath of Druids, what a fun card. What an unfair card. <laughs> yeah, they, they ruined it by printing things like Bristlebrand. Yeah, it is. Isn't that interesting? How like that's that's like the design direction we've gone now. That like creatures just keep getting better and better and better and more powerful and splashier and like they have to be better. Um, I wonder when that stops. I wonder when we start to push push blue and push spells again. I think I think it's a pendulum. I think every other set will get a battle for Zendikar where every card seems okay, and then you get a Oath of the Gatewatch where they print four to five cards that break right form it open. If you look at last year, like. Um, the first set of the year, Cons of Tarkir, like had all the Delve cards, but then the next set just had like Tassiger, and then this set after that had like five really powerful cards. Like it's, a, I think it's a, a pendulum swinging back and forth. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. 
think that's pretty fair. Um, is your ultimate goal, Jerry, to be in some sort of game design, like work, working for Wizards? Was that sort of like the dream, or was that just something you wanted to try out? Uh, it, it didn't really cross my mind for a long time, and then I realized that it was an avenue that I could take, and then I started looking more into it, kind of having more of an open mind, because I used to be like, oh, this card sucks or whatever, and it's just like I, you can't really have that mentality if you're trying to do game design because everything is based on context, right? You know? Right. Like, cards cards can't be bad because there's always going to be a situation where, like, that's the perfect card for you to have. So, yeah, got to keep an open mind and be be a little less caustic and negative. And then eventually it happened and it was awesome. And I realized that I didn't have anything else to do with my time because I spent a lot of time playing and thinking about magic and I missed playing magic. So I came back, but, uh, game design was fun. It was interesting. I learned a bunch of stuff. Uh, if I ever get to a point where I'm burned out or don't want to play tournament magic anymore, or maybe like magic online is so great that I just never leave my house, then, uh, that is certainly something that I will revisit because game design is awesome. How far away do you think we are from a, from the point where magic is going to be at that? Like, I guess that esports level where there's, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of pros making very, very sizable livings every year as their only job is just to play magic. Would you say there's any sport out there right now though that's at that level? I mean, like maybe like even like if once you get past the top tier of most professional sports, the pay level drops pretty significantly. I mean, it definitely drops, but like I would say when you look at the, the biggest video games, like you have these teams and these sponsorships and there's, you know, there's the guys that are making a lot of money, but then there's a, sh- a ton of people who are making 30 to 50 K a year just playing video games. And I don't think that there are that many magic pros that, you know, don't get to that just get to play for money. I think a lot of people write, you know, and a lot of people do stuff like that. You get on the gravy train with the pro tour, but it's not really set up yet to support that many people. I mean, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's, it's definitely not. I mean, people have to supplement their income, like buying and selling cards, writing articles, streaming, things like that. And as far as getting to a point where magic is like esports level, it's, it's going to be tough just because of how hard it is to watch, especially if you're not an enfranchised player. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. That's right. totally fair. All right, so uh, uh, I have a bunch of questions from Twitter people that uh, for you, and you get to answer them. And some of them I'm going to then follow up with explaining what they mean because I don't know what they're asking. And then I clarify, and they said that you would know. So we're going to find okay, out. Okay, so this is this is like the Juicy Lucy question, yeah. right? I cheated. Yeah. I looked. Oh, 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 you looked. Oh, you you cheater, cheater, cheater. Yes, let's start with I, that one. You, you told me at the beginning of the show, <laughs> and then I had to know. I'm a very curious person. <laughs> All right, so from Mike Linerman, or Lineman, five, eight club, or Matt's bar, better Juicy Lucy's? Uh, he's going to get mad at me. I'm going to say five, eight, and because I've only been to that place. I haven't been to Matt's. What are what are those? <laughs> uh, so, Juicy Lucy is basically a cheeseburger that has cheese baked inside of it. Oh. So you bite into it, and then it's just like a cheese volcano of melted cheese. Wow, got it. It's basically it's basically Sweet. about as good as it sounds. But both places are in Minnesota, and they both have a thing on their menu called the Juicy Lucy, which is basically the exact same thing. And they both claim to have created it. Ah, uh, interesting. Okay. That sounds delicious, and I want one immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next level, uh, this is from Cal Amark. Uh, next level Grixis post-ban, what are you brewing on? Uh, Shriek Maw. Okay. Kalidus, Seal of Fire. Sweet. <laughs> Seal of That's fire. awesome. Love it. All right, 
How does it feel? How, how do you feel your magic career is going and are you happy with it? Is there anything you regret about it? This is from MTG underscore prowess. Uh, I, I try not to have regrets, but I know that there are mistakes that I've made in the past. And right now I'm basically just trying to correct those mistakes. So, uh, I feel like I have underachieved at the pro tour level relative to my success in other areas. And I feel like I squandered off a bunch of tournaments just because I felt like, oh, well, this magic thing is just going to be like around forever. I'm going to be playing for forever. And this is just like a Grand Prix where I'm going to play a deck that I either like don't test or don't think is good, but I think is fun, you know? And then when I finally went to work for Wizards, it was like, oh, man, I don't get to play in any of these anymore. Like, what have I done? Like, why did I waste so many of these tournaments? And now you're probably just going to see me playing the best deck a lot, just spiking it up and trying to win. It's fair. It sounds like your old self is just me always, <laughs> just wanting to play something fun. I have a hard time playing a spike deck. Really? Yeah, hard. And, and at the time it seemed like a, a fine compromise, right? It's like obviously I want to win, and I play Magic professionally. Like this is my livelihood, so like any winnings I get from tournaments are great. But at the same time, it's like I also want to live my life and enjoy myself. I don't want to just like play Eldrazi for. 15 years in a row against people that are just woefully unprepared because like, that's not very fun. The games aren't necessarily engaging. It's not challenging to build those deck lists, right? Cause they just kind of like build themselves and then you mess with like 10 cards or whatever. So I don't know. I, I basically chose like a lot of middle ground and that did not end up giving me a lot of success. And now I'm just like, screw it. I, I just want to win, so we're going to try and make that happen. It's really a bad feeling to lose when you play cards you don't like is a lesson I've learned. It, like, I, I'm so much happier losing if I'm playing something I'm excited about than if I've chosen to play something someone else came up with and then I scrub Absolutely. out. It's like the biggest case of the feel bads. It feels like a waste of time and money. But, you know, that's not how you win, so. Yeah, just like, why did I play this stupid Abzan deck? It's so clunky and like, oh, Elspeth is just like not good against all my opponents, like three power creatures and like, you know, the active trees in my seed rhino or whatever. It's like, uh, how does this deck ever win? Right. You know, right. like, yeah, that doesn't feel good. Like, you, you have to enjoy what you're playing. You can't go into a tournament playing a deck that you just don't enjoy playing because you're not going to have fun. And if you're not having fun, you're probably not going to be in the right mindset. And then you're probably not going to win. And so. also because, like, Magic, like, anybody who plays it at the high level knows if you were going somewhere to win, the point is to win and you have the highest EV, Magic's not your game. There's better games to just go and win money than Magic. Like, it's not set up for that. Yeah, so before I wanted to have fun and win, and now... I want to make winning my fun thing. That's a good answer. <laughs> All right. This is from Force of Goyf. Reinforcements, dot, 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 or refreshments? Just three life every time. All right. Can you also <laughs> explain that? <laughs> oh, that is the flavor text on bottle gnomes. Uh, okay. Got it. Perfect. All right. <laughs> uh, this is from Daniel Moran. Moran, uh, Moran you're good. Uh, <laughs> since he, since you were on the uh, R and D team for it, what's your favorite card from Dragons of Tarkir? Uh, so I was on the development team for Dragons, but I left before the set was complete. Okay. Which I don't know. Like when, when I left, the set was way different. You know. So favorite card? I don't know. I get like the story behind Zergo is so great. I don't know if you guys know this or not. No. Go for it. I mean, okay, so it, Okay, so Zergo in cons is, you know, he's a big deal. He's he's the con of the Mardu and he's just kind of like, you know, this this big bad guy, right? And then he's in Biff. the 
the dragon storyline, he's just like some dude. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just, he's like the guy that rings the bell once in a while. Right. Yeah. When, when need be versus I'm the king of the world. Yeah, so I think like Sarkin went back, uh, like saved Ugin or whatever, saved the dragons. And then it was like the dragon's timeline. He's just like, all right, where's Zergo? I want to kill Zergo. We're like mortal enemies or whatever. And he finds him. And he's just like this pathetic dude. And he's just like, I can't even do it. It's just pathetic. Right, you know, like, right. I, I get nothing out of doing this and it, it would just be miserable. So. Well, yeah, I think that's I think that's really cool. He's he's been compared to Biff from Back to the Future, where like in the second movie when he goes back in the regular time after Biff gets all the money, he's like I'm the king. He's basically Donald Trump. I think actually like yeah, Robert Zemeckis has come out and said, oh, he's just Donald Trump. And then he goes back and fixes it. And he's like, oh, I'm just watching your dad's car. I fixed your car for you. Yeah, I. Oh yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I haven't seen those movies in a long time, but yeah. All right. So next question. This is from Zach Allen. He has actually has two questions. So first one, what's his what's your all-time favorite deck you've ever played? Mm, maybe okay, so a lot of lot of fun answers here. Nether Spirit uh was the first like I don't know, deck that I think I got really good with in in constructed and I started like foiling it out and stuff and that was awesome. Uh, just like this blue-black control deck, and then I was hooked on control decks. But I really enjoyed playing Oath of Druids in Extended. I really enjoyed the Mystical Teachings deck I played with Gaia's Blessing, basically as my only win condition. Okay. Uh, basically, basically, like any do-nothing control deck that just, like, wins by grinding them out and with no other way of winning, basically. All right, second question. If you were given power over the ban list, what would you change in Modern? Well, I think a lot of people get asked this question and they're like, oh, what would I like modern to be? But I want modern to keep existing, so I would want to do what's best for everyone and what I think everyone would enjoy. And I have no idea what that would be. But as far as like me personally, I think the format would be cool if you just ban like 100 cards. You just like start at lightning bolt and go from there. Interesting. Uh, okay. Just you, completely mix it up. All that you get rid of like just 100 of the top cards. Well, the issue is that cards like Lightning Bolt just sit on top of a bunch of other cards. Like, you will never play, like, not not Shock, but, like, maybe Burst Lightning or whatever because Lightning Bolt's in the format. Right. No, it's a good point. I, and I definitely, we, we come across, like, sometimes we, when we did, I think, the 8th, ninth edition review portion of this, we do, like, two sets at a time, just, like, the, the top cards that don't, don't people don't think about. And, like, a great example of a card that's just weird and wonky, no one ever mentions, is Gorilla Tactics. You know that card? Yep. And it's like one of those things where it's like, okay, it's you know a red and a colorless for an instant that deals two damage, but if you have to discard it, it it you know deals four. So if you get Liliana, you get four damage out of it. It's one of these like versatile, interesting cards that you're never going to see a lot of play. But if you were to get rid of a hundred of the best cards, who knows? Maybe you would. Maybe a card like that would make it into a deck, and it's like a super wonky card. So I'm kind of exactly. Here. And and I want the deck building decisions to be interesting. I don't want it to be like I want to play a Merfolk deck. Okay, I pick. You know, dismember, vapor snag, relic, aether vial, like whatever sort of like interaction you want, and then the just the thirty best merfolk or whatever, because it's like that's that's not super interesting. Okay, I'm building my jund deck. What are the best removal spells? Decay, terminate, lightning bolt. Maybe we play like a pulse, Kolagon's command, whatever. But it's like you always start with those cards. Right, right. All right, next one. This is a, another one from Force of Goyf. Uh, what would you do to modern to make it a good format, and why anything? And do you think the format breaks everyone and going and again are good? 
Sorry, I don't what know what that's. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> All right, what would you do to? Uh, we just answer this. All right, next one. What does he think the format looks like once Eldrazi is hobbled? Or what do you oh, think? Uh, so say they ban Ayavugan or Temple, but leave the other one. I think people will still play Eldrazi kind of decks, but is say they ban I and leave Temple. Uh, we worked on a lot of decks for the Pro Tour that were like green black, kind of Jundi, but also just had like Oath of Nyssa, Eldrazi Temple, Thought Not See, or Reality Smasher. What about Vesuva? We've talked about that, like how Vesuva interacts with Eldrazi Temple. I think it's medium because, like, you want the burst of mana right away. That's what makes it good. If you have to, like, wait a turn to copy your land or, like, you know, do stupid stuff like Expedition Map for your Eldrazi Temple to then give you a mana boost, like, you're, it kind of defeats the purpose. It's too slow. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think Eldrazi will probably exist in some form if they only ban one of the lands, uh, which I think is cool. And then other than that, it was kind of what we were talking about earlier, where it's just like affinity, infect, burn, and then you just kind of go from there. Is there anything he's seen – is there anything you've seen so far in Shadows over Innistrad that you're excited about in regards to modern? This is from Steven Ledger. Uh, in regards to modern specifically, I mean, you know, Lightning Axe is already there. Uh, thing in the Ice, I guess. It's that Like that card is probably just sweet, right? Yeah, oh my we're, gosh, we're pretty yeah. excited. <laughs> That card's awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, and then, I don't know. I'm looking. Hold on. Uh, okay, so uh, Mark Caldero brought this up to me. Uh, brain in a jar. So, oh, okay. You, you know this card? Yeah, yeah, I've seen I, it. Explain it again. It seems sweet. I like this card. Okay, so two mana artifact. One tap. Put a charge counter on this. Then you may cast an instant or sorcery with converted mana cost equal to the number of charge counters on brain in a jar. From your hand without paying its mana cost. Yeah, this card's so, super sweet. Yeah, and then there's, like, another ability that has to do with scrying a bunch. Who cares? But if if you go, like, one tap, activate this, and then second in response, like, to a greater Gargadon, you get to cast, like, a Restore Balance. Right. <laughs> oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah, So yeah. With, with Brain in a Jar and something like Bring Delight, like, you actually have eight ways to cast this thing. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. That's so may sweet. maybe maybe there's a different way to build restore balance. I don't know. Yeah. No. I mean, that seems really good. I'm I'm definitely. You you mentioned it. The uh, the th thing in the ice. Like it seems like there's a lot of really interesting ways to go. Um, one of the weird cards, like from a flavor perspective, I've always really loved is Chronozoa. You remember that card from Planar Chaos? Vaguely. So yeah, it's like a three-three flyer for a blue and three colorless that comes into play with three vanishing counters on it. And when the last counter is removed, you sack it and you put two copies of it into play. So it's like an amoeba that you know doubles every time it dies without a counter. And yep. I've always like envisioned the deck that gets to play like that with Hex Parasite, um, just because it seems fun. But it's like so not viable because it's a four-drop. And I was just thinking with like within Case the Nice, I was like, I, I wonder if there's some way to make like that with like hex mage, like just the whole package work, but probably not. <laughs> oh yeah, that is cool. I mean, that that's the key to making that stuff work in modern is like figure out what pieces are kind of redundant, right? Yep. Yeah. You need eight of something traditionally for it to at least have like a chance. Yeah. Minimum yeah. six if you're playing blue. Yeah. Yep. All right. If we could go back to any uh, location in magic's history, which place would you like a set to return to? This is from Roy. Uh... Filiger. I don't know. There's there's been so many like return to blocks already, which have been good because you know I like the places that we went back to. But I don't know. I feel like the like the Tempest era stuff could have been done better. Like maybe just reboot that storyline. 
Yeah. Okay. Like the 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 people traveling on a an airship crowd across planes. Skyship Weatherland, yeah, Gerard, and all those folks. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like the the storytelling back then was just kind of flat. You know, it was like very stereotypical, and it was just like, oh, you know, like there's this group of people that are trying to kill this dude or whatever, and then they do it. And obviously, there's a lot of other stuff that goes into it, but it's like they're they're doing a really good job at telling stories now, both just like in the cards and in the Uncharted realms and flavor text and all that stuff. And it would be interesting to see if there should be like a reboot, you know, like all these uh, comic book series, like continuously like reboot their characters and stuff. And Okay. Fair enough. I think, yeah, I, I would love to see like with the modern storytelling, like revisiting a lot of those old characters. I mean, like it's a little weird because you know, with the story now, I mean, and granted, I'm not a story guy, so there's no way if I, what I'm going to speak on right now is correct, but just like a lot of those old cards to me have a lot of flavor, you know, Hannah ships navigator and Skyship weatherlight and, uh, the green white one that searches for a for a legendary card is that um, Eladomri's call? No, or, no, the green white no, that's creature. Uh, yeah, yeah. The one that taps and searches. Anyway, I I liked all those Captain cards. Sisse. Captain Sisse, yeah. Captain Sisse, Silver Golem. Like those cards are all sweet. Like I I you know Urtai the Corrupted. I I just have good memories of those cards. So it would be really fun if there was some way to use them in a way that made sense. All right, next question. Uh, this is from Jersey Malkoff. Will you ever go back to the sexy beach bleach blonde hair? Uh, I've certainly thought about it. I'm kind of <laughs> I'm, I'm lazy, and every time I do it, there's so many people that just get outraged. Okay, <laughs> fair, <laughs> fair enough. I mean, it's it, it's just crazy. I don't get it. And you're in, in defense of that. Uh, Stoneforge Tasker asked if you regret any of your previous hairstyle colors. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I, I want to throw one in really quickly. Just, it just reminded me of a question I had earlier that I forgot to ask. Um, there's definitely has been this mainstream growth of magic over the last few years. We've all seen it happen. The numbers obviously are, are kind of outstanding. And what I'm wondering is it, it seems to increasingly become more and more mainstream every year. Everything from the gender gap closing to just like the movies being optioned and all that sort of thing. Do you think we're looking at a world in, in five or ten years where like – this doesn't even it like the connotation with like Dungeons and Dragons and these things that have like the air quotes of just super nerdy. It's just kind of gone. Like magic is just going to be that much more mainstream. I don't know. I mean, obviously things are just like blowing up, right? Like it, it is crazy, but I don't know. Cause I, I think like 10 years ago, I never thought that we would be at this point. Right. So now I'm just kind of like anything's possible. Like the internet's a wonderful thing. And a lot of people are, are just like geeking out a lot more and just like getting into things like card games and stuff. And the, the spread of information is just much easier and more widespread. And I think, you know, people are just more aware of worlds that they didn't know existed before. Right. So I have no idea where we'll be in like five or 10 years. It's if, if magic, if like the movie comes out, like that's just game, you know, because you can't, you can't not see that. Right. Like everyone knows what Transformers are, even if they don't care about them. Yeah. I mean, that's super interesting. And it's also funny, like when you think about sort of the, some of the cultural benchmarks that exist now that at the time that they were happening, we don't realize how influential they were. I take a game like Settlers of Catan that was just so popular. I mean, that game seemingly came out of nowhere. It, it still is. But I just mean, I, I all of a sudden remember like going over to friends houses who weren't into any of the same like magic, that type of culture and just let's, you know, have a glass of wine, eat dinner, and then let's play Settlers of Catan. And it's like, wow, this is like totally my world, but you guys aren't in that world. How, why did you get Settlers of Catan? How did you find out about this? You know? And yeah. 
it's just funny. Like you think about that sort of stuff, you don't notice when it's happening, but you can point back to it as how we got to where we are. Well, I think that's partly just like, especially our generation was so nineties based pop culture. And yeah. like, we're now a nostalgia generation that's looking back at how we were raised on that. And like my grandfather doesn't know what a TV or didn't know what a TV was. I mean, he did, but like, you know, he, he had one TV channel. We had n- 2000 TV channels growing up plus Game Boys plus six different video game systems available to you like there's so much more available to our old generation than now that we're older it kind of works I mean I tweeted something earlier that I thought was like fascinating and it's that like Game of Thrones is obviously the that's the biggest most popular thing in this world of, of dragons and wizards and all that stuff you know it's everywhere I mean on CNN's Twitter feed today the Game of Thrones trailer was a headline that popped up in my feed. Like CNN, this is like breaking world news. Like when there's a when there's a fire in the jungle, when when there's a school shooting, it's on CNN. The Game of Thrones trailer was a CNN headline. That to me is like the proof, all the proof that anybody needs that if there's a comfortability with dragons and wizards, it's I mean it's pretty world worldwide at this point. Yep. All right. So one that, last. That, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> one last Twitter question. This is from Josh. And since he's the last one, I'll say his Twitter because his name is it, it just his first name. So it's at Flair Rain. Uh, if you like to listen to music while playing Moto, uh, what do you listen to? Uh, normally, so my music tastes have expanded in the last like five years or so. But uh, the thing that I usually keep coming back to is like post-hardcore metal. Okay. So okay. I don't know. I, I kind of just like to, you know, do a lot of screaming and invent my anger that way, I guess. But uh, I haven't had to do that so much as of late because I'm just, I think, a happier person now. So that's cool. Nice. But uh, I have, there are like some good like dubstep uh, mixes on YouTube. So I'll just search for like dubstep mix with like female vocals. And then they'll just put on like a three hour video of just like all these mixes. And I'll just listen to that. It's cool. So that's, that's kind of it for the day. Uh, we're at, we're at that hour long mark. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, why don't we do the shout out? Remember to follow us on Twitter. We are at the MMCast. Uh, I am at Ben Bateman Media. I am at Kess Wiley. Jerry, why don't you tell, why don't you, uh, tell people where to find you and, and any shout outs you might want to throw out there in the world? I am at G3RRYT. Uh, I basically respond to almost anything on Twitter. So don't take that as a challenge or anything, but just know that that's probably the best way to contact me. And uh, lastly, we will remind everybody that we have a Patreon. We launched it recently, a few weeks ago. Uh, you guys have been awesome and supportive. It is patreon.com slash vmmcast. Uh, basically, $2, $5, $10, and $50 donation levels. The first donation, if you're on the $50 swag box level, you get a Masters of Modern Matt as your first item mailed to. You'll receive an item every month for as long as you do it. So find us and help us out. It helps us make more content. We'll be doing multiple episodes and video streaming and all kinds of fun stuff yeah, so, now that we're doing so, it. So this is technically a bonus episode. This will be coming out this Friday, which means that you know this is something this is, this episode exists because of the patreon just for patreon on friday and then next week it'll come out as a regular episode no i mean no no, no. It, it, it'll come out for everyone on friday got it okay cool. yeah yeah but the, like one of the levels that we reached was we do now five episodes a month instead of just the normal four yeah cool so anyway thanks that's to the thing you guys and uh and thanks to the cool awesome guests like jerry who come on and help this show be popular which is amazing <laughs> so thanks for coming on hell yeah yeah man sweet all right see you guys on tuesday yeah bye everybody bye Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to the MMCast at rocketjump.com. See you later, alligator. <laughs>